I'm convinced that with most people, perfectionism is linked to lack of self-belief. I'm, I'm convinced of it because I've seen so many cases of people who are very emotionally driven who don't necessarily believe in themselves. If there's something you dislike about you that you cannot change, try not to give any focus to it. But if Kevin and I have a lifestyle that you envy in any capacity, try to create it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Next Level University where we teach you how to level up in your life, your love, your health, and your wealth. No matter where you are now or where you've been, there is a next level. We bring you five episodes a week, four of which are solo episodes with Kevin and I, and one world-class guest to help you get there. This podcast is proudly sponsored by our friend and mentor, David Meltzer, of The Playbook Podcast. Amy, we have any questions? Yes, we do. Hold on one second. Sorry. No, you're good. All right. What do you do if the beach ball you're hiding involves someone else? How do I confront it without ruining the relationship? Oh, my goodness gracious. You want to answer this one? What do you do if the beach ball you're hiding involves someone else? How do I confront it without ruining the relationship? Uh, I think the vulnerability, the ability to be vulnerable, and I, I think this is this is something that I've learned uh, leading by example, Abraham Lincoln had a great quote. He said, leading by example is not the, not the best way to teach someone. It's the only way. So what do I mean by that? So when I'm, when I'm coaching people and my clients would attest to this, I, I tend to, to share with them some of my, some of my stuff, some of my, my, uh, exiles. I was actually on the phone with a listener last week and I said, this is a private conversation. Um, I have no problem sharing this with you. You know, this is this is my truth. This is what I went through. This was my experience. And I was very vulnerable, and then he was vulnerable with me. So you kind of have to lead. You have to lead the charge. Um, people want to reciprocate. And once you share something that genuinely makes you uncomfortable, they feel safe to do the same. And I think that I would start there. Just be careful. Remember, 4%. I don't want you to unload everything at once that's a dangerous game four percent just just that courageous conversation just i call it breadcrumb do the breadcrumb but don't um throw the whole loaf at anybody vulnerability is the bridge to to communication for sure i second what alan said i also think it's important to check in with the actual quality and context of the relationship like is this a relationship worth keeping it depends on what exactly we're talking about here, but I would check in with that. Is your truth, mental health, well-being, and alignment more important or as important as the relationship? Because a lot of us have these, we have these relationships that we're a part of that we're only a part of because we feel like we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's not like we go there and get to the next level. It's just like, yeah, I've just known this person forever or you know, I, I don't want to leave them behind. If somebody... I don't know if somebody hurt you or whatever it may be, really check in with that and say like, is this the type of person that I want to have in my life? I think that clarity when it comes to that is, is very important. Very last thing real quick before the next question. Natalie Hodson talked about this. Okay, when vulnerability goes up, shame goes down. So hiding something is actually making it worse. And that's why I think therapy is so important because you, you legally can, are protected. You know, uh, and I think it's really important to express that truth. So, so hopefully that's helpful. Vulnerability up, shame down. But just make sure you don't you don't go from ten. You don't do it all at once. <laughs> Breadcrumbs. Yeah. Bread loaf. Breadcrumbs. What's next, Amy? <laughs> Bread loaf. 
How do you figure out where people's comfort zones are? I think it's the only way to do it is to start. Like, okay, think about where you are right now. What do you do every day? What things are comfortable? What's 4% outside of that? So what's a good example? When Alan and I started, one episode a week was out of our comfort zones. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of it. What's a better practical example? Okay. Think of it this way. At the beginning of the pandemic, nobody I knew had a Zoom account. I didn't even know Zoom was a thing. Right before the pandemic, I had no idea Zoom was a company. I didn't even know you could web conference with your laptop. I remember the first time I tried to log on, I was like, this is unreasonable. I don't know what I'm doing here. That was 4% outside of my comfort zone. So that's based upon the information that I had before. Now we're running StreamYard. I've taught so many people how to use Zoom. It's like a joke to a lot of people because we've done so many meetings. So I think it's check in with your reference. I think it's check in with your reference group. What do you do every day that's just easy? You just do it on autopilot. What is something that you will not do? Like you just won't do it. What is the in-between? Like, where is the in-between there? In group coaching, we had somebody who said, I'm terrified of getting rejected. And Alan and I said, okay, what is something you can do to get rejected? Like, just something small. Just seek rejection. Because this person was afraid of getting rejected by the opposite sex. That's out of the comfort zone. Enough, right? So I think it's check in with your reference group and figure out, okay, what do I do every day that's easy? What is the most difficult? What's in the middle? So one of the other things that I would add to this is you, you can't necessarily listen to what people say. You have to watch what people do. Uh, behavior never lies. And the reason why that is is we all have a psychological immune system and we have what's referred to as cognitive dissonance in psychology where there's a disconnect, disconnect between what we say we are to ourselves and what we really are. So what's a good example of that? I would just watch behavior. There's a lot of people that say they're into personal development but never buy personal development books. There's a lot of people that say they're into fitness and they have a gym membership but they never go. So, And then there's other people on the other end that go every day and still don't feel good about themselves. And so cognitive dissonance, it comes down to the drive to five. You have the puffer fish and you have the turtle. Uh, the turtle is scared and wants to stay small because it doesn't want to get hurt. The puffer fish is like puffing themselves up to pretend they're awesome because they want to keep everyone... And that's the protector, by the way. The turtle shell is the protector and so is the, the front. So you just got to understand that where is people's comfort zone? That's the question. You won't really know where the comfort zone is unless you watch what they do. I'm going to give you an example. I had a client one time who, through no fault of her own, she unconsciously just had this high perception of self. And especially when it came to being really good at social media and social media marketing and all that. But if you were to look at her profile, she never posts. And again, this is, goes back to theory versus practice. In theory, she knows social media marketing really well, and she actually kind of does, but she doesn't really practice it that much. And so if you look at my Instagram, I've got something like 1,700 posts, and um, this other person only has like 50. But yet, she's telling me that she's this expert, right? So you just got to gotta look, observe. You got to look and pull back the curtain on your own to understand where someone's comfort zone really is. Because to be honest, this person posting on social media is very outside of her comfort zone, even though she hasn't yet admitted that to me or to herself. And that's just, again, the psychological defense mechanism that we all have. Amy, do you want me to read a couple questions that I have? 
You can. I was just about to ask another one. Oh, hammer it. Whatever you want to no, do. No, no, do it. Okay. Okay. What? Goodbye. What do you do if you realize you are currently living way more than 4% out of your comfort zone? Seek comfort. That's what I would say. Simple answer. I would say let's get crystal clear on the things that are the most important and what are the things that we can limit doing. One of the, okay, Alan and I went to Arizona for Brendan Burchard's event, came home. I'm pretty sure you and I didn't speak to each other or do any work for like two days because we were both at least trying to figure out our lives. I would, I would do a rating of, okay, what are the importance of the things that I'm doing every single day? What are the levels of comfort learning and anxiety, and then I would eliminate or spend less time doing something that makes you super, super anxious. Um, Just because we always say, like, when you're overwhelmed, you seek comfort. When you're crushing it and everything seems like it's super easy, you seek challenge. I would just try to find comfort. I know it's difficult, especially if you're very busy, but seeking comfort is something that most people don't do. As much like, it's almost like some people only seek comfort and then some people only seek challenge, and it's it's about finding that drive to five. We did an episode on how to keep your cup filled that actually is doing really well. It's a high hitter, and we had a feeling it would be because I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with. It dropped this past Sunday. <clears throat> so yesterday. Yesterday. Yes. Uh, I have this thing that I do with my clients called the Next Level Life Map, and it basically identifies the person's places, things, and ideas that are toxic versus nutritious. And this original question was, why, uh, what do you do if you realize you are currently way more than 4% out of your comfort zone? The first thing to do from my perspective is to check in with why are you that far outside your comfort zone? Is this even something you want to master? So for example, um, let's say you have a toxic environment and someone comes home drunk. Are you outside of your comfort zone because of a negative environment? Or are you outside of your comfort zone because you're proactively trying to become a better speaker, a better accountant, a better football player, whatever it is. See, one of them is proactive and it's going to help you make you better. The other one is just kind of like, this is not, this is not a, a good environment for me to grow and flourish in. So I think that's the thing. Identify what kind of outside your comfort zone is. Are you outside your comfort zone just because you're around toxic persons, places, things, and ideas? Or are you outside your comfort zone because you want to grow and get better? Two very different lives. Great, great, very good. Thank you, man. Yeah, that was a great distinction. Thanks, brother. I learned something new today. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. Amy? Amy? How, do, <laughs> how do you take messy action when you have perfectionist tendencies? Oh, I'm going to let you hammer that one first because I think you've been more of a perfectionist than I am. I have. I have. I've had that challenge. Um, the first thing I want to say is that perfectionism is actually a good thing if you use it right. Uh, there are four main personality traits that correlate to business success but success in general organization prudence diligence and perfectionism organization is just being organized obvious prudence is making the right decision high awareness and decision making paradigms um diligence is hard work and sweat equity which kevin has a lot of appreciate awesome absolutely brother i'm sweating right now actually it's pretty warm in here perfect it's because of all the hard work (laughs) and then the last one's perfectionism and perfectionism in this study this this uh it's called hexaco is basically like you double check your work you're very very thorough like if i write an email it's going to be the perfect email but make sure you send the email don't spend six hours on one email 
Ladies and gentlemen, one of the biggest issues for our listeners that we've seen is not everybody has people in their corner trying to lift them to the next level. And even the people who are trying to help don't always know how. That's why Kevin and I created Next Level Group Coaching. It's a three-month program on teams of 10 with all people committed to achieving their goals. Click the link in the show notes for more information. And we only take 10 people at a time, so make sure you get in quick. So how do you take messy action when you have perfectionism tendencies? You kind of just have to acknowledge, okay, I'm very thorough and I'm very perfectionist. And that's a good thing as long as I take messy action with it. Wanting to better your best is great. Wanting everything to be your best is a real neurosis. In other words, if this had to be the best speech we've ever given, I might have spent six hours preparing for it and then when it wasn't perfect, get really upset rather than like one hour prep and then doing it and then reviewing it and then getting better next time. Uh, Very last thing I'll say, Atomic Habits by James Clear talks about this. There's a study that was done with photographers. I talked about this in the last episode and or no, an episode this week. There's a quantity group and a quality group. The teacher says, I want the quality group to only submit five photos and I want them to be as perfect as possible. Perfect photos. Okay, and then again, this goes back to doing versus theory. And then the quantity group, I want them to submit 100 photos and we'll pick the best five. The quantity group ended up having higher quality photos. Why? Because they failed forward more. They took more messy action. They ended up learning a lot more. So there's this idea of I want to be perfect, the pursuit of perfection. I think that's Mercedes. Mercedes, the pursuit of perfection. I love that. Yeah, but it's a pursuit, meaning you you don't just start there. Mercedes is a company that's been around for whatever, 60, 70 years. Like they, they now are pursuing perfection, but they know they never really get there. Hopefully that helps. Two things. One, hire a coach. Two, diagnose what perfectionism actually means to you. I'm convinced that with most people, perfectionism is linked to lack of self-belief. I'm I'm convinced of it because I've seen so many cases of people who are very emotionally driven who don't necessarily believe in themselves hold on to their work because they're afraid of judgment. They're afraid it's not complete. They're afraid it's not good enough. It's one of those things that you have to just dump out and get feedback on. You cannot get feedback. It's difficult to get feedback on something that does not yet exist out in reality. The second part is hire a coach. So I have somebody I'm consulting with for their podcast and their YouTube channel. And he literally messaged me and said, I want to start a YouTube, t- YouTube channel. What are your, like, what, what's your advice? And I said, by the next time we talk, you have a YouTube channel up. Like that's, that's what my advice is. And he took messy action. His camera wasn't the right way. The microphone didn't work. Like a lot of it was Jeffed, but now he has a YouTube channel. He has a YouTube channel where if he didn't do that, he wouldn't have one yet. And I had another client, I, I spoke about this on the podcast, who wanted to do a new intro and an outro for a podcast. And she said, it's a little bit too long. It's like a minute and a half. I want it to be 30 seconds. What do I do? I said, you release it anyway, and then you just work on it in the meantime. Like just, if, if I wasn't there to say that, she might have redone it four or five times. And I, I think it's also an understanding of, if you're still working on it, isn't there a better use of your time? Like right. isn't there something else you could be doing? It goes even deeper too, because okay, so right now, Kevin and I have an intro on the podcast right now. It's wrong. That's wrong. We're doing six episodes a week now, and our intro still says five. See, having that happening right now is creating the pain to create the necessity for us to get after it. So when you don't release something, you, you, there's no pain associated with staying yeah. mediocre, if that makes sense. When you release a crappy YouTube video, as long as you do have self-belief, it's going to motivate you hopefully to be better. 
So releasing it motivates people to be better unless you're unless you struggle with self-worth and self-belief, in which case releasing it and getting ne negative feedback might be a challenge. And in that case, hire a coach. Like Kevin said, procrastination is a mask for fear. Fear of leaving other people behind if you do have self-belief or fear of being left behind or being judged. Figure out which fear is at your core. I've never met someone, now that I have this higher awareness, who doesn't have one of those two fears. Mm -hmm. uh, my girlfriend, Emilia, most amazing woman I've ever personally met, hands down. Fear of leaving others behind, for sure. For sure. Knows that if she really leaned into her self-belief and self-worth and self-value and self-love, she would definitely be even more um, extraordinary and less relatable. She, she has a fear of that. I do too. So... If you're procrastinating, you most li likely, for this whole perfection thing, you're most likely just not taking action because you know that if you really leaned in and, and took off, you'd, you'd probably have to, have to say goodbye to some of your relationships. So just keep that in mind. Last question, Amy. If I'm comparing myself to people, where does that come from? My own insecurities and how do I overcome this? I would say it comes from being a human yeah biology right i think i think we all yeah. we all compare ourselves i think some of us <laughs> some of us compare so alan compared himself to me there to feel better and then i flexed on him and then he felt bad exactly i think that's what happens i think some people you compare yourself to where you want to go mm -hmm. with the knowing that you'll get there and hopefully better Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, particularly me, I compare myself to people who are great, like Joe Rogan, and say, oh my God, I have such a, such a huge distance to go. It could be insecurities. It could be the faith of your intuition knowing that's possible for you. It could be a lot of different things. At the end of the day, comparison is like social media. It's not good or bad. It's what we do with it. So I think it's understanding why are you actually, if it's a negative comparison, then understand that. I think you overcome it by realizing that what they're showing isn't real anyway. Uh, okay, so where does it come from? I'm going to answer all three of these. Where does comparison come from? It's biology, like Kevin said. Uh, from an evolutionary perspective, if you've studied any evolutionary biology, you realize that like to survive, we've had to really size up on our environment. Um, way, way, way back before technology, it was the, the strongest, fastest you know, most, most, um, yeah, the one who could, who could fight that would win and that would be the leader. And you really have to know like, oh, okay, I shouldn't fight that one, that person, cause I'll probably get killed. Right. So survival, it's a survival mechanism. Okay. So don't let it run you, especially in a world where digital isn't even real. So where does it come from? Biology. It's how we survive. If, if you see a tiger, you need to know to run away and you need to know that you're your um, best warrior friend is by, behind you and you need to know that he's a better warrior or she's a better warrior than you so that you survive as a team you gotta know where you fit pecking order that whole thing okay my own insecurities is that where it's coming from I would say it's amplified by insecurity so if you are insecure about something and, okay so if you're insecure about being out of shape and I've been there I remember I cried in the bathroom of a gym and then left because of how insecure I was about how much I'd let myself go this was a while ago and um Basically, if someone else is in great shape and taking unbelievable care of themselves, you're, and you compare, your, your insecurities are going to amplify the pain of that. And one thing I want to make sure I say too, let's say there's, like Kevin said, it, it's either useful or not. 
Kevin comparing himself to me and my height is not useful. No, no, I'm Jeffed. Do you know why? It's it, he can't change it. So there's no use in that. So if there's something you dislike about you that you cannot change, try not to give any focus to it. But if Kevin and I have a lifestyle that you envy in any capacity, try to create it. Try to start a podcast. Try to be a speaker. Try to start a company. I think that's great. I think you're going to fail forward and figure out more of who you are. Uh, How do I overcome this? Understand it at a deeper level. Identify when it's happening. Ask yourself, like, am I comparing myself to, to, is this a, is this a worthy comparison? Am I comparing to the truth? Um, am I comparing in a way that's, that's actually motivating me or disempowering me? I know Anthony Hopkins was, had a couple brothers that picked on him. I'm pretty sure at least one. And he said, that's why I'm so successful. I always felt like they were smarter than me, better than me. That's like a thing. Most greatness actually stems from insecurity. You just have to harness it and use it as long as it's for something that actually you can change. And I would ask one last question. When's the last time you compared yourself to yourself? That's always something I tell my clients. Like, I don't know what, you know, this person on social media actually is doing. You don't know what Alan and I are doing. So it's hard to compare. Compare yourself to yourself because you're the only person who knows your truth. Like, look at how far you've come. When's the last time you reflected on that? That's literally something I told Alan I was going to do this week because I'm just having identity crises all over the place. But that is par for the course when you're trying to get to the next level. Anything in closing, sir? No, that was fire. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, we love you. We appreciate you. And as always, we do not have fans. We have family. Talk to you soon. Bye. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you as always for joining us for another episode of Next Level University. One podcast episode can change your life forever. If you got value from this episode, please share it with someone you care about deeply. And we will talk to you on the next one.